Hi everybody, this is Lori Weaver and I'm coming live to you from the next upper Zen spot on top of my mountain on a wonderful Easter morning. And I'm so excited to be here. One reason that I hiked up this hill was because I have some stuff that I've been struggling with and I really need to let it go. And also because I wanted to share with you some of the fun things that have been going on in my life. So we'll call this bonus episode day 127, even though I have no idea how many days it's been since I originally began this experiment, where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. For new listeners who are looking for my food story told in real time about how I came out from under 50 years of compulsive dieting and binge eating, please go back and listen to shows 1 through 120. The shows since have been kind of update shows and bonuses about what I'm thinking about. And today, I'm going to listen to wonderful Josh Woodward's snippet of I'm Letting Go, and then I'm going to talk about a new yet familiar struggle. After that, Mark and I visit a familiar spot I'm going to share with you a snippet from my new show, Stories and Voice. Donnie is going to treat us to some philosophical thoughts about Easter from the religious point of view, but also give us some jokes from the secular point of view. So please stay tuned while we listen to our inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go by Josh Woodward, and then I'll share what's on my mind and also what's fun on this beautiful Easter morning. Take it away, Josh. But I'm letting go Josh, it is such a treat to listen to you here in the peacefulness of the next to upper Zen spot where I can hear the birds singing and the little animals jumping around. I even see some wild bunnies on my way up the hill. That's kind of a cool thing on Easter. You know, to be with nature for me is my church. It's kind of where I feel closest to the universe, to God, to the spirit that moves through us all. This is where I really feel most at peace. And it's a good thing, too, because I've been feeling very unsettled and not at peace lately. You know, the first tenet of intuitive eating is to give up diet mentality. And diet mentality is a lot of different stuff. It's like the feeling that you're not good enough, that your body isn't good because you're heavier than you might like to be, or a number on the scale might trigger you to feel like, oh no, I'm not as good. I need to control what I'm eating to eat less purely for you know, dropping weight type purposes, to modify what you're eating maybe away from your hunger, again, for weight purposes. Those of you that have gone through different eating issues know perfectly well what dieting is. <laughs> okay, the physical acts of going on a diet, such as I'm going to eat this food and not this food, or I'm going to eat this much of this food rather than this much of this food, or I'm going to portion out my one ounce of chips instead of ripping open that bag and, you know, like a crazy person when the robot aliens come to visit, and I want to relieve my stress by crunching through some chippy chippiness. You know, the act of dieting is the result of having a diet mentality, and the diet mentality at its root, at least for me, is dissatisfaction with oneself and particularly with one's body, 
or not even one's body. You know, for me, the dissatisfaction with my body is usually an indicator that there's dissatisfaction with something else. Now, we've talked many, many times together about if you are wanting to eat a certain way or you feel great and healthy eating a particular way, that's great. And I'm not going to say you're wrong to do that because it isn't. Everybody in their heart will know eventually what is the thing that makes them feel most healthy, most happy, most fulfilled, right? For me, for many, 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 many years, I thought what would make me happy and most fulfilled would be to be thin. Now, what is thin? It's a mythological state for me because no matter how low I got on my scale, and I got pretty low, or no matter how single digity my sizes got, I still felt like I was too fat and I still felt like I needed to lose some weight and I had to exercise more and more and more and more and more and more and eat less and less and less and less and less to try to blast off those saddlebags that I'm just blessed with. You know, I found out since that saddlebags on women are there kind of genetically because if you are going to breastfeed your children, that's one of the places that that energy comes from. Well, I never had children, so I didn't get to make use of my energy stores there. But, you know, my body wasn't crazy to have them. You know, it's just fashionable now not to have them. And all my life, I thought if only I could be thin, I would be happy. And we've also talked about, I learned in the past from becoming thin, or thinner anyway, that it was very convenient and I enjoyed putting on clothes in a regular size and being able to wear lots of things. I enjoyed sitting down and not having my tummy sit in my lap. I enjoyed not having to think one bit about will I fit in chairs. I enjoyed all of that stuff. But the inside part about now I'm really a good person. Now I'm entitled to joy. Now I'm entitled to success. Now I'm finally able to hold my head up and be the person that everyone might like to know. You know, I kind of had that feeling that that's who I would be if I got thin. And that didn't happen because there was a lot of the internal stuff that we've worked through through shows 1 through 120 that I hadn't addressed by getting thin multiple times. And I would then go back to, oh, screw it, just never mind. And then I would let my weight pile on and rise. And I would just like turn my mindfulness off and eat in reaction to emotion or boredom or just on autopilot because it's there. You know, I didn't always have a huge disastrous event happen that would turn me to chips. Sometimes it was just anxiety, low-level anxiety or boredom or there's nothing else to do. So I'll sit here in front of the TV, you know, like we sit in front of the movies and just eat these chips. And the saltiness of the chips would then trigger me to want to eat something sweet. And then I'd go eat something sweet. And then that would trigger me to want the saltiness of the chips and on and on. And I really didn't have a very good feeling about my body when I was in that autopilot type mind. And it's different from robot aliens. Robot aliens happen more when I'm under distress and want to be distracted from something that I'm thinking about. This is more the... I don't know what else to do, and I'm just used to eating. The act of chewing is comforting to me, and it's distracting, and it's something that is just pleasant. You know, it's a bad habit. It's like people who like to smoke, or if you flick your nails around, or you twist your hair. It's a nervous habit for me, eating. So 
I was feeling pretty darn good when I closed the show at 120 because I really hadn't been on a diet and I hadn't been binging. And for many parts of that year, I hadn't been on a scale. And when I did have to go back on the scale for medical reasons, my doctor needed to monitor my weight for other than my size, just for medical reasons. He needed to keep track of my weight for a few months there. I stayed pretty much within one pound. It was a higher number than I would like, but I stayed pretty much at that number. And I thought, oh, well, this is who I am. This is the body that I have. This is my natural weight. And I'm just going to, you know, forget about it now because I have other fish to fry. I have other things I want to do. I have other things I want to put my time and energy on. So I did that. But Mark and I, through different injuries and the medical stuff and just other things going on in our life, just kind of stopped our bike riding and me not doing the show as often. I stopped my hiking because hiking really was a good motivator for me because of doing this show. I would hike up the mountain to do the show and then hike down. And so I was up here hiking a couple times a week and I was down in the park, walking around the park. And so when I gave up the show and started practicing voice acting more, I spent less time on the mountain and more time in my studio. So while I did not binge eat any longer, while I didn't let chips become my siren call, I was not burning as many calories in the week as I would have if I was out being active. Now I'm not saying this to tell you guys that we all need to track on you know, Fitbit or some other means every step we take so we know how much to eat. Because honestly, I was not overeating in the traditional sense. I wasn't sitting down with bags of chips. I wasn't, you know, piling up dishes of ice cream. I wasn't even eating for the most part when I was stressed or bored. But I did feel my attention slip. And I did disconnect a little bit from my body. Because I don't know about you, but for me, when I am active, that really helps me be in tune with my hunger and my fullness. When I'm not active, it's harder for me to tell if I'm super hungry or not, or even a little bit hungry or not, because different things that happen in your tummy can just be digestion sounds or feelings, or, you know, the the clock on the wall says it's lunchtime and that triggers you to think to have lunch. It really got me. And Mark and I went away for my birthday and you know, we were out partying and having a nice time down at Disneyland and eating more restaurant food than we would normally. And so I put on a few pounds. But in the past, as soon as I went back to my regular eating, those pounds would drop and I would be back to that same weight that I had been. This time, they didn't. This time, those extra pounds stuck. And I worried those extra pounds like a dog with the bone over and over again. Oh, my God, look what I weigh. Oh, my God, look what I weigh. And mind you, it's not that much more than I weighed in the first place. But it was the first time in all this time that I had seen a weight gain that I couldn't account for. Because after the weight stuck for a few days after Disneyland, I said, well, this is no good. This weight is going to stay. I need to temporarily do what? Go on a diet. I need to count my calories. I need to go into weight loss mode. I need to get these extra pounds off so I can return to my happy weight. In other words, I convinced myself to fall again into diet mentality. And so I did. I spent some weeks tracking what I ate, eating within my weight loss mode, doing all the things you would do on a diet. I started cooking things that I might not cook unless I was on a diet instead of my normal foods. I did all of those things that you would do. And I got on the scale ready for my reward. Guess what? 
after three weeks of this, half a pound. Three weeks, half a pound. Well, I was not happy. I was not happy with this at all. But more than that, in my frump, I reviewed what my life had actually been for this two or three weeks of being back on a diet after all this time. And I realized that the majority of my day was spent thinking about what can I eat? When can I eat again? How much did I eat? Oh no, I ate too much before noon. Now my dinner's going to be really light. Am I going to be able to white knuckle it past the TV time since I have no calories left? Oh no, I ate 100 too many calories today. Oh no, this is terrible. I need to take away 100 calories. All of those same old thoughts that I thought I had gotten out of my brain came back full force. Did I think about my voice acting? No. Did I think about my writing? No. Did I think about being a nice wife to Mark? No. I thought about weighing chips, counting out things, bringing in veggies, making dips out of things I wouldn't normally make dips out of. I thought about food. Food became my friend, food became my lover, food became my hobby, food became my everything again. Food became my everything and I didn't even get thinner. <laughs> Hey, brave companions, you might have a good question. You say, Lori, suppose you'd lost five pounds from doing all that. Would this be a different show? Probably. <laughs> Probably. I'd say, well, I lost the five pounds. But on reflection, even if I had, that diet time was not fun. My life wasn't as fun. I didn't feel as good about myself. That's what I discovered. And so... A few days ago, I said, okay, I'm going to experiment with intuitive eating again. You know, screw this. I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. I'm just going to see what it feels like to stop getting on the scale and to stop counting my calories and to stop weighing all my food. And I'm just going to see what happens. And I don't know what I weigh but I know that my pants are a little looser. And I do know that my character and my personality is a lot more smiley again and a lot more kind and able to listen to people. And I'm really able to work on the projects that mean something to me. And I'm really able to show Mark that I love him <laughs> instead of chips, right? Now, I know this sounds pretty strange, but one reason I'm doing this show and coming clean to you all is so that you know that when you have an eating issue, it's not always just over, right? It's not over. You learn things along your life. You learn things if you pay attention and you find out what works and what doesn't work and you get tools for yourself to help you out. Like I've said in the past, you know, what to do if you have a horrendous binge, you know, what are some of the tools that you can do about that? One is to change your mind in this moment about what you're worth. Two, the next chance that you have for a meal, have a light meal of something you enjoy. Go move your body in a gentle way. Don't over-exercise. Just, you know, get a little walk on because that helps your digestion. You know, those are some tools for binging. This time I had to figure out tools for, oh my goodness, I was a hypocrite, <laughs> I fell into diet mentality. And how did that feel? 
should I hide this from the brave companions because they've heard me? I'm for sure going to be an intuitive eater. This is my path. No, I'm not going to hide what I did because I've always done with compulsive overeating diary is tell you how I'm doing with my food and my food issues and my body issues. And for a long time, I was doing very, very well. This was a bump in the road. It was a big bump and it bruised me up in my psyche and my heart. So for me, intuitive eating still feels much better. My life feels much better. I'm going to do my utmost to forgive myself for whatever it was that caused my body to go up a little bit. And if for some reason my body wanted to do that, well, then that's what happened. I'm going to go back to walking up the mountain because I love coming up the mountain. I'm going to go back to eating what I like and paying attention to when I've had enough. Because one thing I've surely noticed, if I'm physically, physically hungry, I get a signal that I've had enough. And if I don't feel that signal, (laughs) then I know for a fact, whoops, Lori, you've been emotionally eating. Because emotionally eating has no physical end for me. I need to feel in tune with my body a little bit more. And that weight gain kind of made me disconnect from my body. I almost felt like, body, you're betraying me. But my body didn't betray me. I disconnected because I had a lot of anxiety about my progress as an actor, about making new friends, about doing new things, about my new show that I'm working on, a lot of new things going on in my life. So I had a lot of anxiety. And what happened to that? underlying anxiety I talked about earlier. Eating things, not in a bingy way, but just kind of like this low level eating and snacking got me. It just got me. So now I'm going to see if mindfulness will help me to appreciate my body again and love my food again and love my life again. But one thing's for sure, BCs, through all of this, I surely have loved you because I've got you to talk to when I come up the mountain. Okay, I shared with you the struggles I've been having, but now let me just share a little snippet of some of the fun I've been having. Mark and I went to visit a familiar spot on Good Friday. Happy Good Friday, everybody. Mark and I are actually sitting at the old podcast bench at Descanso Gardens and having a nice walk. Say hi. Hi. Well, honey, how are you liking Descanso? Uh, It's too crowded for me today. Other than that, it's pretty. It's nice spring when the lilacs are out. Yeah, we saw some beautiful lilacs. Oh, well, back to the Easter hike. See you later. See you later. Wasn't that cool? This was the first time that Mark actually sat on the podcast bench at Descanso Gardens. And if you go to the show notes for day 127, you can see the photograph of he and I there at the trusty old podcast bench. Next up, I want to talk to you about some of the things that I've been doing in my life since on Valentine's Day was my last update to you. I continue on with acting class, live acting class, right? And I did the bravest thing there ever. I actually sang... I'm not that girl from the musical Wicked in the course of a scene in front of my co-students and my teachers. I sang on stage. 
hooray, that puts me on the bravery report. I've also been studying with a lot of coaches and taking a lot of classes in voice acting and meeting a lot of voice actors. I also continue to work on my writing. I joined Women in Animation, met some women that work in that field, going to some panels to learn more about animated form, doing all this kind of stuff to become more knowledgeable about the industry and to meet people who might like to have fun with me and I can have fun with them and learn from them. And all of this stuff bubbled together into this idea for a new show called Stories and Voice. And in this new show, what I do is my writing friends or other writers give me writing to put up for audition. Voice actors, experienced and new, audition and read these stories, which we put music and sound effects to. And then I interview both the voice actor and the writer, so we get the stories behind the stories. And we also include singer-songwriters like Fiona, who provide their music to us, and I interview them. So it's all about getting together and being creative and saying, hey, let's put on a show. And so far, I've been having a blast meeting all of these new people, putting together all of these creative segments, and just really having fun and I see that this feeds my creative heart in a way Chips never could. To show you a little bit of what my upcoming show is going to be about, I want to play for you a snippet from Stories and Voice. It includes the theme song written by our own DC Fiona Lane. It includes an uh, interview with Mark about the story he wrote called Cowboy Gets a Real Job. She gives you a little take of that story as voiced by professional voice actor Jacques Dulong. A bit of an interview about Jacques Dulong and his experiences. And I just hope that you'll get a flavor for what it's going to be. Some write, some sing, some play. Some bring the words to life and thrill us with what they say. Writer, singer, actor, it's your creation and your choice. Whatever genre moves you, come share your stories and voice, stories and voice. Did you ever hear tell of sweet Betsy from Pike Who crossed a wide prairie with her lover Ike With two yoke of cattle and one spotted hog A tall Shanghai rooster and an old yellow dog Wow, that's really cool, honey. I love that. That puts me right in the mood to listen to the story that you wrote called Cowboy Gets a Real Job. Of all the stories on storiesandvoice.com, the most actors auditioned for this one. And finally, we decided on Jacques. Why did we like Jacques, Reed, honey? Oh, because he had a nice cowboy uh, sound to him. In fact, I'm in the mood to hear it again. How about you? Oh, yep, yep. So please enjoy. Cowboy Gets... A real job. I really need this job. Actually, any job. The winter came early, so the ranch had to let some of us ranch hands go. 
Not too many jobs were available in our small town. A department store just opened, and the only job left was sales rep for the makeup department. They were reluctant to hire me. They said, what does a cowboy know about makeup? I said, I know how I like my women. I can advise them what men like. They said, no offense, but we don't believe most of our customers are trying to attract cowboys. Wow, that was a darn tootin' good tale. What do you think? Oh, yeah, I enjoyed, enjoyed listening to it. Well, I bet you really did, and I bet you were happy that you got Cowboy as a topic to write about, because I think you super like Westerns. Well, you know, I always, I always have. I've always, I've always liked a good Western. Well, I'm just delighted to have on the phone with me voice actor extraordinaire Jacques Dulong, who was one of the many actors who auditioned to do my husband's story, Cowboy Gets a Real Job. I was amazed at how many people were drawn to this piece of writing. Can you tell me a little bit about why you chose to audition for this piece, Jock? Sure. Well, for starters, my dad was a southerner, and uh, so that doing that accent kind of comes comfortably to me. The other thing was uh, I'm a big fan of off-kilter kind of humor and uh, the concept of a cowboy selling makeup just was twisted enough that it really caught my interest. <laughs> so I, I loved it. I love it too. One reason why I cast you uh, in this story from the different actors who tried out was I loved the sense of, I felt like you had really been riding the range. You had that feeling of, yeah, I'm a cowboy, but you still had some of that charm. Because I think this cowboy is a charming character. Sure. Well, I believe that uh, voice acting is, first of all, acting, and that you need to get inside the head of the character that you're performing um, more than just doing a funny voice. And uh, that's something I learned through my many years in the business, both directing and doing voice. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. Like, I was very struck by your unusual background. Could you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Sure. Well, I started uh, back in 1977 with Mattel Toys, first as a uh, disc mastering engineer because all the talking toys were mechanical, not electronic back then. They used records. And uh, then I was doing engineering for sessions, and I, I got to engineer a session with Mel Blanc, which was phenomenal. Oh, my goodness, that's so cool. Yeah, we actually went to his son's house and recorded him sitting in a big chair with a microphone pulled up to him. So that was something. I got to work with a lot of great voice actors, and that really influenced my uh, desire to do it myself. So if you guys would like to write something too, give it a go. Send it in. Come on to storiesandvoice.com and see if a voice actor can make your words come alive like Jacques did for Mark. Yeah, give it a shot.
inspiration and your choice. Whatever genre moves you, come share your stories and voice. Stories and voice. That's a wrap. going to wrap up today's Easter extravaganza with Donnie's wonderful rendition of Easter Foolish Fun. <laughs> Lori presents Foolish Fun. <laughs> the feature where messing up is just part of the act. <laughs> Hello, brave companion friends. I haven't got to call and talk for quite a while. Life's been busy, as for everybody, but with the upcoming holiday of the commercialized aspect of Easter, I have some great fun, 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 foolish, foolish fun. What day does an Easter egg hate the most? Fridays. Ha, ha, ha. Hey, hey, what kind of bunny can't hop? Yep, that's right, a chocolate one. Woohoo! What do you call a rabbit with fleas? Bug bunny! <laughs> so funny! Ha ha! I hope everyone is having a great day. And for those of you that celebrate Easter for what it was meant to be, then happy great day. And I hope that it's all that it was meant to be. And those of you who are into the commercialized aspect of Easter, I have one more question. What do you get if you pour boiling water down a rabbit hole? A hot cross bunny. Wee-hee! And if you love to be foolish, too, call the Bravery Hotline and get your silly on. disappoint. I just love that. So, BCs, whether you're celebrating Easter from the religious point of view, or from the secular point of view, or just having a lovely Sunday, I wish you the very best. And be sure to call the Bravery Hotline, or use SpeakPipe, or comment on today's episode, because I miss you when I don't hear from you. So everyone, have a fabulous day, however you celebrate, and take care, because I really, 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 really care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. And there I'll sit, I'll admit that I was only just a guest inside my skin. And by the dawn, I'll be gone and won't be holding on to anything again. Go. I'm letting go. It's a 
silence. 